oh, how do I find my purpose? And it's not this thing that's like, okay, I found it. Here it is. Got it. <laughs> it's like, it's more of a unraveling. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. Today, we are talking about how to discover your soul's purpose and live a life aligned to who you truly are and what is truly meant for you. This episode is a good one, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen. But before I get into the interview, I want to remind you to check out our 2021 Artist of Life Workbook, a guided journal to help you plan your most intentional and inspiring year with exercises on self discovery, self love, and life design. It's a tool to take you from where you are to where you want to be. You can check it out at shop.lavendare.com. Today, I am so excited to welcome back to the podcast, Sahara Rose. Sahara Rose is an ancient soul in a modern body. She's been called a leading voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift by Deepak Chopra, who wrote the foreword of her books. She's the best-selling author of Eat Feel Fresh, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, A Yogic Path, and the upcoming Discover Your Dharma. She also hosts the Highest Self podcast, the number one spirituality podcast on iTunes, and is the founder of Rose Gold Goddesses. She's here to remind you of your purpose so you can embody your sacred mission on this planet. Hello, Sahara. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle podcast. I am so happy you're here. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so much, Eileen. It's been like, I feel like two, three years since we last did a podcast and I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't feel like that long, but I, I guess it has. And I've seen you grow so much and I'm just always supporting you and everything you do. I love you. Aww. So last time we spoke on Ayurveda, you taught me all about the doshas. And for our listeners listening, definitely check that out if you don't know what Ayurveda and doshas mean. But I want to know, how did you go from focusing on health and Ayurveda? Veda to now talking about discovering one's dharma or purpose. Oh, first off, let's define dharma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your dharma is your soul's purpose. It is the big reason why you're here. It is your soul's frequency more so than what you do. It's how you do it. So for, for myself and in this pathway of like, what is my purpose? Do I have one? What does it look like? I had all of these questions and I was really confused because, you know, growing up, you're you're told to follow your dreams and then you get older and it's like, okay, now get that normal job and do the thing to make money because that's just what you're supposed to do. And I was really at this precipice of, do I follow my, you know, I wasn't even sure what my dream was. I just knew I wanted to write about Ayurveda because Ayurveda helped me go through my own health problems. But I wasn't sure if I could even have a career doing that. I've never met an author before. I thought maybe I would, you know, become the starving artist or homeless like my parents would tell me. And you yourself have immigrant mm -hmm. parents, Asian parents. And, you know, it's for myself, it was really focused on survival. It's like, how do you be safe? How do you do the thing that will make you money so you don't you know, get yourself into a situation that you mm -hmm. could be in jeopardy? So when I was beginning to ask myself, how can I have a career that lets me write, that lets me speak, that lets me focus on these things that I'm so passionate about? 
their fear really came online. And in trying to protect me, they were really confining me. And it reached this point that I realized that I either had two choices to either make my parents quote unquote happy, which I didn't even think existed Mm -hmm. because they'd always find something else that I wasn't doing right. Or to take a risk and, and try to, to find this purpose that I wasn't even sure existed. And it wasn't like an instant, like, I'm just going to go do it now. And that's it. Screw you guys. Especially because, you know, with Asian families, there's a lot of guilt entwined and there's a lot of this feeling of we sacrificed for you. And now you're being so mm-hmm. selfish to, you know, do something else. So I was like, am I selfish? Am I too Americanized that I'm only focused on my individual help? Like, and it really showed me too how deeply entwined my, my self-worth and my psychology was by these old cultural norms. So it was this battle of really feeling that I could be the person to help bring Ayurveda out there, help people who had health problems like me. I went through perimenopause when I was 21 years old and my body was shutting down in digestive hormonal anxiety, insomnia, and knowing that there were other people out there like me who could benefit from Ayurveda and not knowing if it was going to work. So eventually I went wrote the Ayurveda book, got a book deal. Our last conversation was on it, you know, spent seven years really focused on Ayurveda. But the question that I kept getting was like the story behind the story of, but how did you make this happen? Like, how Mm. were you able to essentially make a living, like teaching what you love and this thing that's like so out there, like Ayurveda that most people had never even heard of. And that's when I began speaking a lot more about, about purpose and realizing that true health, the only purpose for true health is so we can radiate at our, at our fullest expression. And oftentimes when we make it our goal to get healthy again, or whatever else it is, you get there and you're like, what else is out there? And that, that thing that's out there is for you to live in authentic, in authentic code with who you are. So I, you know, created my podcast highest self as like an outlet that I could talk about these more spiritual things. And that just became the thing that I was so much more passionate about than Mm -hmm. like physical health and nutrition and digestion. And it was just no longer part of my journey. And oftentimes we think like, oh, well, if I must not have a purpose, if my purpose shifts, but my Mm -hmm. dharma really is the same. And my dharma is more of like, it's your mission statement. It's, it's your big reason why. So my dharma, I was going to ask you that, how do you define your dharma? Yeah. So, so my dharma and, and as we grow and learn about ourselves, like the way that we may explain it can shift and evolve, but really all of our dharmas is here to raise consciousness. Like we're Mm -hmm. all here to make the world a more beautiful place. My way of doing so is to connect ancient and modern spiritual sciences to connect people back to their bodies. Mm -hmm. So for me, it started with the literal physical body and physical health. And now it's so much more of embodiment, feeling your body in terms of expression and movement as a spiritual practice, the dance as well. And as I further ground into who I am, the more manifestations of this, you know, show up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there, I also relate Ayurveda to your purpose. And some of us who are more airy, Vata, will have a lot of different manifestations of how this Dharma shows up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I, I love to dance and DJ and write books and podcasts. And it's like bringing it all together. Whereas for some people who are more fiery, it's like, 
this is the one thing I'm doing. Like Sarah Blakely founded Spanx. Like mm-hmm. that is her thing. Yeah. And, and she's full on. And, and that's what it looks like for more Pitta, more fire people. And then other people are more, are more Kapha, which is the earth energy. And they find their purpose in the roles that they play. So motherhood, mm. being, being a friend, a daughter, a coach, like oftentimes, you know, like Kapha people are so caring and nurturing but they'll wonder, am I not living my dharma? Because I see all of these other coaches have like masterminds and programs and all these other things that am I doing it wrong if I'm not doing that? But it's like, as an earth person, you're here to really ground and connect and go deep with people. So I started to realize how deeply my my training in Ayurveda was preparing me for this language to help people understand their purpose. I love this so much. There's so many parts that I love. I mean, one part is that People think your purpose is one thing, but in reality, it, it's not. It it can shift depending on your dosha and also depending on where you are in life. And what I love about you is that you let yourself not be confined to that box. Like you didn't have to stay the Ayurveda girl forever. Like you allowed yourself to experiment and just, you know, to express yourself in different ways. So for people out there who are just starting to discover their dharma, their soul's purpose, how do you start? What are the steps? Mm, love this question. So I love a system and a framework. I write a mm-hmm. lot about them in the book. So there are five stages of Dharma discovery that we go through. And it's a little different for each person, but there's overall five. Now, the first stage is just the self-awareness to know that I don't like the direction my life is going and something needs to change. And it's that feeling that I'm uncomfortable in what it is that I'm doing and I don't know what it's going to look like, but it can't go on like this anymore. And that's really where the seed of your dharma is planted. Then the next stage is self-improvement. And that's when you really focus on, of course, improving yourself, the mind, the body. So you may get really into fitness or maybe it's meditation, but more for, you know, a mental reason, mental health, personal development inspiration or motivational speakers more so than Mm -hmm. inspirational. I'll share that one next, Mm -hmm. like a Tony Robbins type of figure of, I need Mm -hmm. to improve myself from there, which I think a lot of your listeners are in is realizing that you're not just this mind and this body, but you're this soul that lives inside of it and that you don't even need to improve yourself. You already are whole as you are. And that it's less about improving yourself and more about getting to know yourself and realizing that the more that you know yourself, the more naturally you'll be making choices that fit you. So this is kind of where like Mm -hmm. the spiritual awakening happens. And for some people, it can be really intense and feel like, how am I going to live in this world anymore? Or I feel like I'm going crazy or I don't have anyone I can talk to about those things. And for some people, it can be more gradual, but it's when you can really see that the world is much more than you were taught. It's much more than this 3D lens. There's more out there. However, you may feel really alone in this time or unintegrated of like, I know for me, when I was in my stage three, I was like, how am I going to live in America? I can't do this. Like everyone just is in a box or in their cubicle, they're in their car, they're in the shopping mall. Like I was just like, how am I going to do this? It was like, a really intense period because it's like, you know, the veils have been lifted and you're like, what have I been doing? So it can be a really intense transition though. It's not for everyone. And then that prepares us for stage four. And stage four is when you find your practices that work for you. You find maybe your lineage, your teachers, the modalities. Is it, is it, is it, 
breath work? Is it singing and sound bowls? Is it, you know, Vipassana, whatever it looks like for you. So you feel less like, how am I going to survive in this world? And more so I have my Mm -hmm. tools. I have my practices. Like I know that (laughs) this world is still an illusion and I know how to be part of it. Like you feel more embodied and more integrated, but the thing that's missing is Mm -hmm. you might feel like you're living a double life that you have who you are at work and then who you are outside of it. And you may feel like, you know, at work, you have to be this person and play this role. But then when you leave, you have all of these other interests like Reiki or past lives or shamanism, whatever, whatever else it looks like for you. But you don't know how that could be related to your personal dharma. You feel like maybe this is just going to be a hobby, an interest, or you may be in the dabbling stages of sharing it with your friends, family, social media, but it's not your life's work quite, quite yet. Mm. That brings us to stage five. And that's when you find, you find your unique way of expressing the, the magic that moves through you, your, your languaging, your, your systems, your, your branding, all of these things like for, for yourself, it's like mm. the, the artist of life, you know, like that's your way of seeing the world, the concept of Ikigai that I know that you share about and you're using your YouTube and your aesthetic and, and your hair. And it's yeah, like, this, it's a world, it's this lavender, like it's, it's, it's yeah. its own cohesive being. And that's really what the Dharma embodiment stage five looks like of, it's no longer this thing that you're mm, interested in. Yeah. It's who you are. And there's no separation between the inner you and the outer you. Yeah. You're really you full time. And in this stage, every single aspect of your life needs to come into balance because you'll realize that that relationship that doesn't serve you, that friendship, that that habit, whatever it is that's not in alignment is actually withholding you from living your dharma. So there's probably going to be a lot of transitions, a lot of letting go. I know 2020 has been massively the year of that for, for all of us. And you really shift from a me to we consciousness. And what that means is stage three and four are focused on the me and they, and they have to, like you have to do the self care, knowing the self healing the self, because if you don't start with that, you, if you don't know yourself, how are you going to heal the world? But when you're in stage five, it shifts and you realize that I'm not living my dharma for myself, but it's an extension of how I'm yeah. here to help heal humanity. And you kind of get out of your own way and and the things that fuel you shift. Like I'm I'm sure for you you felt that too, but sometimes like if I'm feeling down, I know if I record a podcast or make a video or something, that will put me in an even better mood than like taking a bath because I'm so fueled by my dharma. It's like filling me on this whole level that you don't even need to escape or do as many practices or self-care things to like cope with the world. It's like, you're living your why you're, you're tapped into something that's so much greater than you. And that is available for every single person. Every single person has one. Every single person is meant to live their dharma. It's going to show up in unique ways, but every single person can have that experience where all of them is invited to the table. Yeah. I love what you said about living your dharma is when the inner you meets the outer you, right? Like there's no separation between who you are and what you're doing. It's It shows all around. And what I've always thought is that you obviously you first have to get to know yourself, take care of yourself and give back to yourself. But doing the things that light you up, that is naturally going to help the world. It's not one or it's not like you help yourself and then you help the world. It's you help the world by helping yourself and whatever that medium is, right? Like that's how you 
give back. Totally. And I think that oftentimes in like mainstream spirituality, and I, and I love how you always dive so deep into purpose, but it can be really about coping. Mm -hmm. Like how can I cope with the world around me? How can I like do my morning meditation so I don't feel super anxious and I can get through the day Uh, or have my baths or have my rituals so I can like survive in this world. But I would say that the meaning of life, like most people, if you say what, what's the meaning of life, right? They'll say to be happy. And it's like, that's a great answer. And I, I thought so too, most of my life, but the meaning of your life, in my opinion, is not to be happy, but it's to live your purpose. Mm-hmm. And happiness is a byproduct of living your purpose. Yeah. Agreed. Let's talk about like, how do you know when you're living your purpose? What are the telltale signs? And then how do you know when you're not living your purpose Mm. for people out there figuring it out? Yeah. So great. So I like to think of the energy of expansion and contractive. So Mm -hmm. for you, Eileen, if I say, what makes you feel expansive? Like what does expansive feel like in your body? What does your body want to do? For me personally, like journaling, doing like those little like me activities and also envisioning the life I want to live. <laughs> mm, yeah. I love that. And and how do you, how does your body feel? Like, how are you breathing? What, what does your body do? You when definitely you're like way? your shoulders get back, your chest opens, your heart opens. Mm, love that. Yeah. Yes. It's just this like relaxation. And for you instantly, you knew it's when you're journaling, it's when you're doing these yeah. little activities and mm-hmm. that's literally what you create. That's the experience that you create for other people. So that's hundred percent you living your Dharma. Now, what to you feels contractive? What does that energy feel like for you? A lot of things like admin tasks, <laughs> like things mm-hmm. that are really monotonous and boring to me, the repetitive things. Like, yeah, I totally contract at a lot of things. Mm. And what does your body do when you're feeling that way? You just get tense, right? You tense mm-hmm. up and you want to avoid it. Mm, I love that. So using that now as, as your compass, right? Expansive and contractive, feeling that just in your body really helps us feel what are the things that I'm doing in my life that help me feel more in that expansive space? And what are the things that, that make me feel more contractive? Now, this doesn't mean that like tomorrow you're going to say, Hey, I'm not doing my admin anymore, guys. I feel contractive, like game over, but it's knowing what are the things that I'm doing that make me feel the most contractive? And these are your things that are like the first things when possible to get off your plate, to delegate, to hire for, mm-hmm. to create a system around that it doesn't feel so contractive for you anymore. So, you know, f- for myself, it's like all this tech backend, like website, I hate that stuff, but I had to do yeah. it because I wanted to have a blog and I had to learn about it. So mm-hmm. When I was, you know, began blogging, it actually in a way felt expansive for me because I, I so wanted the end result of having a blog, of having a prettier website, of having a faster website. So even though I didn't love the technical part, I loved where it was going. So it didn't feel so contractive because I loved what was on the other side. And your Dharma has different stages that it goes through as well. And you can literally think of it like a baby. So if I started my blog one year ago, it's, it's one years old. It's a one-year-old baby. So a one-year-old is very needy. It's going to have, it's going to cry. It's going to need its mom all the time. But a four-year-old is going to be a little bit more independent, meaning I can hire people around it. It can have its more of a life on its own versus a seven-year-old can, you know, 
feed itself if it needs to, et cetera. So thinking of it that way of like at the beginning, when you're first starting something out, you probably are going to have to really be there, wear different roles, but knowing that if this end goal is making me feel more expansive, then it's the direction of my Dharma. Whereas so many of us are Mm -hmm. doing these contractive things and we don't like the end goal either. We don't like the direction that it's going. So it's focusing on then what makes me feel more expansive. Even if it feels totally random, it's like, I don't know, playing the piano or doing TikTok dances or whatever else. But the more you invite that feeling in your body, you're going to be in that state and you're going to make decisions from there. Mm-hmm. What about for people who have no idea what they get excited about, right? Some people are completely lost. What's your advice for mm, them? Yeah. So I have so many systems for there. I'm like, I don't know where to start because I'm so excited to tell you. <laughs> but one really yeah. just like quick thing to start is to write a list of like everything it is that you're excited about. Like what are just the things that get you going? And it could just be, you know, I'm really excited to watch like the live stream of this concert, or I'm excited about like the zoom call I'm going to have with my friend, or I'm excited to take my dog out on a walk. It could feel like random, but write a list of everything it is that you are excited about. And then, you know, I always say excitement are the breadcrumbs of your Dharma. Like it's the ignition, it's the energy that's needed before you take action. So from that huge list of everything it is that you're excited about, try to come up with three categories, you know, like let's say a lot of the things you're excited about are related to healing. You're, you, you're excited about learning herbology, Reiki, Ayurveda, and then maybe a whole other group is like technology. You're excited about apps, VR, innovation, and another is like human connection. You're excited to, to talk to your friends, to Zoom call, to, you know, have a long phone call. So then you know I'm interested in these three main categories, healing, technology, human Mm -hmm. connection. Now, how can I bridge these three together? Well, I can work for a company that does this. I can create an app. I can post about it. Like there's so many ways it can show up. So it's not about just like choosing one or having to fit this norm, but it's really about integrating the things that the overarching categories it is that you're excited about and then finding ways. And it's not necessarily on the first try going to be like, everything it is that you love to do. But as your Dharma expands, you can bring more parts of yourself to the picture. So, you know, for myself, I was super excited and interested in Ayurveda healing, et cetera. And I also really love to dance. And I was like, well, how's that going to fit in? Like, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that I don't want people to know about me. That's embarrassing. Like I'm twerking. No, I can't let anyone know about that. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) But the more I would bring that in, and talk about why, why do I love to twerk? Well, it's, it's embodying me into my feminine vessel and it's connecting me to my Shakti and it's making me feel alive and inspired. And the more I would bring that into the picture, the more I could resonate with my own people. Does that mean that you also love to twerk? Maybe not, but we can feel when someone's in alignment with who it is that they truly are versus fitting a box. So oftentimes it's the things you're the most ashamed about the Mm -hmm. things you don't want anyone to know about you. Like maybe you're super into anime or bondage or, you know, you were in jail or something like (laughs) that. It's like, how can you bring that into the picture? Like I would rate way rather take a yoga class from someone who was in jail for 10 years and discovered yoga there and is covered in tattoos and plays Led Zeppelin. Like that's interesting to me, even though I haven't had those same experiences. I can feel like, wow, this is coming from a really authentic place versus the person who is saying the exact right thing and wearing the Lululemon outfit and, you know, Mm -hmm. fitting the norm of what a yoga teacher is supposed to look like. 
And we can feel that in other people, but we're so afraid of stepping that into ourselves. So think of what you're excited about and think about what you're ashamed about too and bring that all into the picture. Yeah. I mean, I want to talk about your twerking and your twerk shops, which yes. I've I've definitely danced with you many times. Yes. And I, I love that. And it's like, you wouldn't think that it's connected to what you talk about, but you've brought it in and you've made it relevant. So how do you... Like for someone out there who has such random interests, they are, they, they're just all over the place. How do you start to like bring these things together? How do you even have the courage to start? Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was definitely, it was so uncomfortable at the beginning because I've always loved to dance, but I never really talked about that on my public profile. And, you know, I was like, my mom follows me. My mother-in-law follows me. It's like all these people, <laughs> I can't, I can't show that. But I would start to show it a little bit on my story, like one dance routine mm-hmm. at a dance class. So it didn't feel like too much. And I would get such a great response from people. And, you know, sometimes I would like even delete it after, but I would get such a great response that I would start to show more and more of it. And I remember I asked this question on my Instagram, which is such a great question for listeners to ask their friends, family, community is when have you seen me at my best? Mm, So I put that on my Instagram. When have you seen me at my best? And all of the messages were when you're dancing, when you're DJing, when you're twerking, when you're doing your tribal dance. And I'm like, wait, like 99% of what I'm talking about is like this Ayurveda spirituality. (laughs) And this 1% is this dance, but all of these responses are about that 1% but it's because that's what's standing out to them. It's something totally Mm -hmm. different that they probably wouldn't have expected from a person like me. Mm -hmm. And they could sense that I felt alive doing it. So the more I integrated those sides of me and realized that it's not random, nothing that you're interested in is random. It is all related to your Dharma. So maybe you are like, really into playing computer games, or maybe you are really into like Burning Man or or something else that you feel like doesn't fit in, bring that to the table. Like a practice that I share in the book is write five uncomfortable truths about yourself. Like five things you don't want people to know. Do you have one off the top of your head, Eileen? I'm not sure. I mean... One uncomfortable truth that not many people know is I can't even explain it. There's like this genre of like an anime type of game where you're like dating, you're like dating an anime guy and you're just reading this novel that's written to you, but he's like talking directly to you. I mean, I've talked about it on my YouTube, but it's such a niche thing. Like there are like small random things that I'm interested in like that. I love that. Like when you said, when you said that, I like want to giggle and laugh with you because I can imagine how like dorky that is and how like when I was 13, I have like this little girl inside of me that like loves this stuff. Totally. Like, you know, I I used to play the Sims growing up and I write about the Sims in my book and I'm like, Yes, like bring those parts of you to the picture because even though I haven't played that specific anime game, you're going to have to give it to me after the show. (laughs) I want someone to read sexy novels to me. Um, But but it's showing like you're a human just like me. And that's what we want to feel. We want, it's like authenticity is such a buzzword, but like, what does that look like? It looks like you talking about the things that you're so embarrassed and so ashamed about and letting yourself be seen in that way, because then that makes me want to lean in and share more of myself too. Yeah. I love that. Another thing I want to ask you about is you always talk about getting these intuitive downloads, right? Mm -hmm. Like I remember you were talking about your concepts of like the archetypes, like a fairy mermaid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my question is, how do you get these intuitive downloads? And 
just what's your experience with that? Yeah. So we're all channels. Every single person is a channel. And so when I say a download, like think of downloading something on the internet, you're getting it from, from the cloud and it's streaming down to your hardware. We're all doing that all the time. Having an idea is a download. When you're in a conversation, you're down, you're channeling because you don't know what's going to happen next. You're in that edge and you're just, when you say something, you're like, where did that come from? Like that's channeling a creative mm-hmm. idea, a, a hit, that's all channeling. And oftentimes we so judge it. We're so in our editing mind and that editing mind is, oh, you said the wrong thing or it could have come off like this. And we are trying to self-edit while we are channeling and then the channel, it can't come through. It runs dry. So there's so many practices that you can do for this. But you know, one thing that I talk about in the book is just to do like automatic writing to just mm-hmm. let yourself write without any point or end goal, but to just let yourself be in that state where you're, the words are coming through and maybe they make sense. Maybe they don't. Maybe it turns into a story or a confession or whatever else it looks like, but to get yourself in that state where you're not editing and judging yourself and you're letting it come through. And then it's like working a muscle. It becomes better and it becomes stronger. And for some of us, you know, I have these nine Dharma archetypes, but for some of us, it's, it's the writing for others of us. It's when we're drawing or when we're Mm -hmm. singing, when we're building things, whatever it is that you're doing that you almost feel like it's coming through you, not from you. Like maybe you're writing poetry or you're freestyle rapping or whatever else it looks like. When do you feel like you're almost taking that passenger seat? And that's Mm, when you are channeling. So for me, I always consider myself like more of a writer than a speaker. Like I want to write books. I wanted to write. Mm. And it was coming from my own desire to protect myself, to be a perfectionist, to be able to edit what I was going to say before it came out. And that was coming from my own inner wound of wanting to Mm -hmm. be accepted. So when I released that, I started to just record myself talking. Like instead of writing the idea down and like having it out like there, I would just talk about it. Um. And I didn't even know, like, I just, and I still do this. I just record voice memos, like to no one, to, to, to myself. And I'm just talking through an idea And I would realize that I would get these like way better hits, like these way better ideas when I was talking it than even when I was writing it. So Mm -hmm. I kept practicing that. And then that let me then feel like I can feel. And it's normally for me after movement. Mm -hmm. If I'm exercising on a walk, dancing, like when you're, for me, it feels like when you're having a lot of ideas of something and you're like, oh shit, I should write this down. Yeah that's when I will record myself and talk it out. And it will like, I'll listen to it later. Like, where did that come from? Like (laughs) I did not come up with that. And it's because it's coming from something that's so much greater than you and getting into that practice to trust the hit when it's coming to you. I love that tip so much to like just record yourself talking through it. Cause I also do the journaling thing, but I don't really do the talking, but I don't know if you probably relate to this, but when you're doing a podcast or when you're speaking, sometimes you just start talking and you're like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. That was so good. That was gold. And I I get that all the time, actually. So that's a good tip. Totally. Oftentimes it happens in conversations, you know? And the reason why is because we're not in our logical thinking minds when we're in conversation. You have to be in the present moment. You have to be at the edge of your seat. Otherwise you're, you know, you can feel in a conversation when someone's thinking about what they're going to say instead of listening. And that's not a very fun conversation to be in. So letting yourself, you know, 
be in that state. So that's why I love recording myself talking because I feel like I'm like sending a voice note to a friend and I can get more into that state versus me just thinking in my mind. And then I have all these other things I'm thinking about and then I I lose it, you know? So finding those things that make you Mm -hmm. feel like that flow in, in um, the Vedas, we call it Kriya. It's divine flow. It's this feeling like you're in complete alignment with your gifts. Mm -hmm. And we all have access to that. It's just finding what ways it comes through. Maybe it's when you're dancing. It's like, I don't even know what dance moves are coming out of my body, but it's coming out or, or when you're singing. I love that. Like ecstatic dance. Like it just, you just flow and it's so fun. Exactly. So the more you can get yourself into that state, the easier it is to create from there. I see. It's a lot about releasing your inhibitions, releasing Mm -hmm. your fear or your judgments for yourself. Yes, absolutely. Which is a whole other topic Mm -hmm. (laughs) in itself. Yeah. And that's really, you know, people think, oh, how do I find my purpose? And it's not this thing that's like, okay, I found it. Here it is. Got it. (laughs) It's like, it's more of a unraveling and deconditioning and letting go. And the more that you can let go of everything that you are not, the more you can step into who you really are. Ooh, I love that. It's, yeah, it's not something you go out there and find. It's in you. It's just about releasing everything that is not you. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's about remembering like we, you know, the Vedic perspective is that we were all souls and Mm -hmm. as souls, we chose to come to this planet to be part of the earth school. And the earth school is where we can learn all of these different lessons and grow and experience things. So each of our souls came to this earth with a Dharma, with a purpose, a vibration Mm of, you know, you're here to raise consciousness through beauty. Like that is such a huge part of how you're showing up. And for someone else, it could be through being a powerful voice or something else. And and that's your Dharma. And then when you come to this planet, you agree to the temporary amnesia. And that amnesia Mm -hmm. is for you to forget. You you forget your gifts. You forget who it is that you really are. So you can go through that process of letting go and releasing and deconditioning and move through those obstacles, which are your soul's curriculum to bring you back Mm -hmm. to the wholeness that you already were. Yeah, totally. I believe we're all here to learn. It's, we're not here to live an easy, enjoyable life. I mean, yes, joy is so, it's a big part of life, but it really is everything, all the variety of experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that sometimes we get into spirituality to bypass mm-hmm. over those denser emotions of like, I just want to feel good all the time and positive thinking. And there's definitely a time and space for positive thinking, like law of attraction, Abraham Hicks, et cetera. Because if you're on a very negative spiral, it's going to be really hard to create from there. However, where positive thinking is limited is you can try to say all the affirmations, but if you don't really believe it, it's not going to show up for you. Mm -hmm. So it requires you asking those bigger questions of what are my strengths? What are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my interests? What are my archetypes? Like going deep into knowing yourself. And then what are the traumas? What are the yeah. childhood experiences, ancestral, you know, lineage trauma that has been passed down across me that is maybe making me repeat a cycle that is not in alignment with these gifts? Mm-hmm. So I think with positive thinking, it gets us to a certain place and then we're needing to go deeper. And it's from that place of integrating all aspects of ourselves and even seeing how the more difficult experiences of our lives have prepared us for really embodying our dharma. They're not not a bad thing. They're actually the the curriculum we needed. Exactly. Like they were meant to happen so that you can become the person you're meant to be basically. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I 
offer the invitation to for people who are like, oh shit, so I got to keep on going through bad experiences to grow. That's not the case. You can grow through the path of joy and through the path of harmony and ease. However, it requires you being able to feel when things are off, when it's at a much more subtle level Mm. than when it becomes overt. So most of us, we don't feel when things are off until it slams in our face Mm -hmm. and we still might not listen. And then it turns into a collision and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse until you have no choice but to listen. But as you become more aware of what does expansive feel like in my body, what does, what does my purpose, my dharma feel like, then you can feel when am I doing things that are taking me off of this alignment so you don't have to hit rock, rock bottom to make a change. Yeah, that's a good thing to bring up because I, I've noticed as I later in life, things, even though challenges, things always, problems always happen still, I handle it so much easier. Because I mm-hmm. I deal with things right away. I feel the emotion and then I let it go. Maybe when you're a child or when you're younger, you let these things bottle up, pile up and overflow to the point where it's so big and you have to have this big journey to like release from it, right? So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, for people who have, they haven't unraveled a lot yet, it's, it is a journey to do that in, it, in itself. But once you do, I believe the journey afterwards, just being more conscious and aware, it gets easier. Mm, absolutely. Right? I Because sometimes people get confused of like, well, if it's for me, shouldn't it be really easy or shouldn't it just happen? You know, like I would always get so confused. I don't know if you ever felt this when, when they'd say, follow the path of least resistance. I'm like, well, if my parents follow the path of least resistance, they wouldn't be in this country. Mm-hmm. Like if I followed the path of least resistance, I would just, you know, maybe be a housewife with like five kids. Cause that was what's expected of <laughs> yeah. me. So that doesn't make sense to me. But what I realized was that sometimes to follow the path of least resistance, you first have to follow the path. You are the most resistant to, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that can feel like is you're on a beach and your dharma, your purpose is out in the open waters, but to get there, you got to move through the waves. And those waves are your conditioning, mm-hmm. your blocks, your limiting beliefs, society, family, all of these different, you know, things that we have that can feel like going up against us. But you learn how to pivot and maneuver and you become a better swimmer that then you make it through those waves and you make it out into the open waters and you're like, "Oh, this is what they were talking about. This is what flow yeah. and the path of least resistance feels like. But you wouldn't have gotten there if you weren't courageous in those moments to undo all of the conditioning that you have experienced until that point yeah. in time. I mean, it definitely feels so resistant in the beginning, right? In yeah. order before you even get to that flow state, it's you're fighting, fighting, fighting for so many for just a long time in the beginning. But yeah. As long as the end, the goal feels expansive to you, then that's what's worth going for. Totally. And it's also sometimes to trust that it even exists. I think, you know, when you're out on the beach, you see everyone else is like, oh yeah, I try to get out there, but you know, the open waters doesn't exist. Or, you Mm. know, I tried to make it with my college band, but we failed. So living your purpose is not a real thing. Or, you know, you hear all of these stories and everyone you see is exactly where you are. So you're like, does the sense of thing even exist? This purpose exists? Am I taking a risk? Am I believing in a Santa Claus story? So that to, to me was the hardest part. Like I was like, mm-hmm. if someone just tells me what to do, I'll do it. But it's just that confusion of not knowing where to go and trusting that if it 
if you actually continue to take action, the path will continue to redirect you that eventually mm-hmm. you will make it to your dharma and that dharma may not look like what you originally thought it would. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just be open. Things will shift, especially like even in your your journey, right? You didn't I'm sure you didn't expect that you would end up here exactly. Oh, no, not at yes. all. I never thought Same I'd get into any too. of this. I was like, I'm going to be an international human rights lawyer and help with like the gravest issues of humanity. And like, that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. And I, for me, I realized that the real way I can help the world is to change the way that people think, because then I won't mm-hmm. have to continue to tell them what to do. They'll know for themselves. But yeah. It's amazing because your dharma is within you from the time you were a child. I knew I was here to help people. I just didn't know how. So Mm -hmm. maybe you are here to entertain. You know, maybe you're here to go deep with people or to stand up for important causes, et cetera. But to trust that it's going to take the shape and the form that it needs to. And that desire within you is going to continue to embody and come out the more that you listen to it. Totally. All right, Sahara. Now I'm going to move on to our rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests at the end of the show. The first question is, what does your dream life look like? Mm, honestly, I'm, I really feel like I'm living it, which is crazy because I, I, I worked so long for this, but I, I live by the beach and I write and I get to share and have these conversations. So I'm just I'm at this point where I'm really living my dream life and it's just an expansion of what I'm already doing. I love it. What is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? Ooh, I mean, I'll recommend Discover Your Dharma, my book, but honestly, the the greatest book you can ever read is just to listen to your own thoughts and your own minds and to be aware mm-hmm. of who you are. But I wrote Discover Your Dharma with like the best tools that have helped me and creating different systems that have helped me go from really thinking that I don't have a purpose and not knowing what it is to where I am right now. So I recommend it. Love it. What is one habit that has changed your life? For me, getting my body into the right state. So exercise has been so instrumental for me because if I can Mm -hmm. start my day from a place of feeling empowered, from a place of feeling connected, grounded, I'm going to show up like that for the whole rest of the, the day. And it was such great feedback because, you know, we all want to do different things. I was like, you know, I want to like do this TV show. I want to do this and do that. But I've realized like if I can't have time to exercise in the morning. I'm not even going to show up as my highest self Mm. that day. So Mm -hmm. that matters more to me than per se, what could look like the next goal. Right. I love that. What is the best life or career advice that you ever gotten? Mm. You know, this one's a a bit of a heavy one, but it really helped me. Mm. And when I was, you know, in that path of questioning if I had a purpose or not and trying to make my parents happy and not knowing what it's going to look like, a friend of mine said, you know what, you're never going to make your parents proud. So just do what it is that you want to do. <laughs> and that to mm-hmm. me gave me so much freedom because here I was trying to fit into this box that I would never fit into. So just to release myself from that expectation and now full picture, they are proud of what it is that I do, but I had yeah. to let go of that need and, and find yes. self-sovereignty. Yes. I've had to do that in my life too. So I relate so hard. Yes. Okay. The last one, finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is. Mm, 
the most amazing part about life is that we are creatrixes and creators. We are magicians. Like this life can shape and mold so much according to what it is that you want. It is amazing how many different types of experiences you can have should you choose to. And when we realize how much we can make this life our own canvas, the possibilities become infinite. So I it's, po- I, I just moved to Miami in the middle of I the know. coronavirus, you know? know, so it's like anything is possible. <laughs> I love that so much. And lastly, where can we find you online? Yeah. So you can find me at I am Sahar Rose. Um, you can get the book and receive bonuses at I am slash Dharma and take my Dharma archetype quiz at dharmaarchetypequiz.com. And I also have a spirituality podcast as well, which you've been on called highest self podcast. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Sahara Rose. I am just, I, I love you so much. I love your thoughts love and you your too, mind, queen. everything. Yeah. You are such a queen. Keep twerking. Keep shining. (laughs) I ain't gonna stop, girl. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sahara Rose. Make sure you check out her new book, Discover Your Dharma, which is out today. So just to recap on what we talked about, the first main takeaway is that dharma means your soul's purpose. It's where the outer you and the inner you align. So we're all here to raise consciousness, but your dharma is how you do it. So whether you do that through beauty, helping people, connecting or building something or something else, it's not just one thing. it can manifest in different forms throughout your life. Another thing I loved about what Sahara said was discovering your dharma is unraveling of who you are not. It's unraveling, it's taking away the layers, removing the filters and the judgments and the fears to get to the true you within, your most authentic self. The next takeaway is that anything related to your dharma feels expansive. Anything not related to your dharma feels contractive. So pay attention and be aware of your body and your energy when you're faced with different choices in life. Whatever choices and decisions feel expansive, where you get excited, you light up, you feel joyful, and your body literally just opens up, that is aligned to your dharma. If it's something that causes you to tense up and restrict and just like, you know, feel contractive, that is not related to your dharma. Also, when you are living in your dharma, you experience flow. For the final takeaway, you guys know I love exercises. I love something that you can journal to. So here are two exercises that Sahara shared. The first one is list out everything that gets you excited. Every single little thing. It doesn't have to be career related. It's just any experience in life. And then try to bridge the gap between all of those things. It might be easier to kind of categorize them, group group them into categories. Like these are things related to music. These are things related to helping people, right? And then try to see how you can connect the dots. The next exercise is list five uncomfortable truths about yourself. That was a good one. I'm definitely going to journal on that later. So usually it's those parts of us that we're ashamed about that reveal our truest, realist selves. So try to bring those parts out if you can and weave that into what you do because the more you weave those truest parts into what you do, the more you are living aligned to your dharma because remember, your dharma is 
when the inner you and the outer you align. All right, that's it for today's episode. If you guys liked it, feel free to share it on Instagram or Twitter. Just share it to your stories or something. Sending you all so much love and I will talk to you next time. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.